Ahoy, and welcome back to Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Megler, social worker and life enthusiast, pull back the curtain on mental health by talking about your questions and also dilemmas I'm seeing in my practice, both as a school social worker and in private practice as a therapist. Regular listeners will know that my partner, Mariska, is always by my side, and you may pick up a subtle note of tension between Mariska and I in this episode. I have attempted to help Mariska. She's an older lady. She's uh, just turned 12, and she likes to sleep in bed with my wife and I, but she has a great deal of difficulty getting up into the bed. So I bought a set of foam stairs to help her get up, but she was not using it. She uses them to get down off the bed, but not to get up into the bed. Not sure why. I thought perhaps the foam was too soft that she didn't like it. So I bought a set of firmer stairs. And once again, Mariska is not using them. And so I'm a little frustrated. And for those of you who are dog enth- older dog enthusiasts, if you have any tips on getting your furry friends to utilize uh, steps, stairs, ramps, anything like that, um, I will take those. So email me or with any questions you have about mental health at daniel.magler, that's M-A-I-G-L-E-R, at L-I-V-E.com. So thinking about going to sleep, it often takes us into the world of dreaming. I wanted to talk a little bit today about my philosophies and viewpoints on dream analysis. In addition, some other things like projective testing and even interpreting tarot. So whenever I communicate with my clients, I will ask them how they're doing physically first and ask them how their sleep has been, ask them if they have any aches, pains, bumps, or bruises. And the reason I do this is because often people who are feeling a bit depressed may end up with mystery bruises and things like that. And they're like, ah, yeah, I got this bruise. I don't even know where. And that can tell us that, I don't know, you're just not paying as much attention to your body as perhaps you should be. Then I will typically ask about dreams. And in 90% of sessions, people say, yeah, I don't really remember my dreams or I don't dream very much. But sometimes they will. And Irving Alone, who, as I always say, is the greatest of all therapists or the one who teaches us the most, says that when we're exploring dreams with people, we're going to get the best information from the first dream that they describe. Because once we've started doing any dream analysis with people, their subconscious kind of puts up a bit of a wall of explaining, sharing much more. But dream analysis is great because it can show things that the person is not fully aware of themselves. So they reveal more than a person may have intended to reveal. Similarly, this can be done with people who are analyzing artwork that people do. So that's why art therapy can be so powerful because especially with younger kids who struggle to express things verbally, they may show something in their artwork that you know their words weren't necessarily saying. Or, again, as we review things that are more open to interpretation, like tarot, again, what that person, their subconscious is not necessarily telling you, or their conscious mind wouldn't necessarily tell you about this thing, but they may reveal more than they knew that they were going to share. So how do I interpret dreams? Well. The first step is to understand that, and again, this is just my point of view and philosophy based on some of the things I've read, seen, and experienced, that you can't just pick up one of those dream books at the store or online and say, oh, well, water means this, or running and your teeth falling out mean that. You know, sometimes there are themes that happen for a lot of people. But as famously said, you know, Freud was obsessed with sex and thought that everything in a dream was often referring back to sex. 
And sometimes a cigar is not a penis, but it's just a cigar. So if we're having dreams about things, they are not always symbolically related to what somebody else might have them related to. So step number one is thinking about what was the dominant feeling in the dream. So even if we don't remember the main details of the dreams, I'll often ask my client, well, was it more a dream about being scared, being frustrated? Uh, were you feeling a sense of pressure? Were you feeling a sense of you know, fear? And it's an understanding that, that we may get a hint into what we've been stressing about or focusing on in our daily life. I like to imagine that when we're sleeping, we're kind of using that time to rest and repair our brains. Kind of like they often do construction on the highway during the nighttime so that the regular flow of traffic can keep up. And our brain is kind of sorting the things that happened in the day, moving things from our short-term memory to more of our long-term memory, helping us to just put meaning to and understand all the stimuli that we took in throughout the day. Most of the time, that's just kind of random and going any particular direction. So if you wake up in the middle of a, a normal dream, you might just, oh, that was weird. Don't know what that was about. Last night, I literally dreamed. <laughs> I woke up and told my wife, I, was, I apologized to her. I said, I was yelling at you in my dream. She said, why were you yelling at me? I said, well, in the dream, I went back into the backyard and you had had the garage taken down and disassembled and removed without having consulted me. And I was just furious because I thought that's a really big life change. And now it's, we live in Chicago. It's going to be wintertime. And now we don't have a garage. And, you know, you were just saying, well, I got a really good deal on the, on the construction. I said, well, even a really good deal to get punched in the balls is still a terrible deal. So I was pretty upset with her in the dream. But even during the dream, while I was confronting my wife, I felt that I was going a little bit over the top. I was being a little more aggressive than I needed to be. So what is that dream probably saying? Well, I, the, again, what was the dominant emotion? The dominant emotion was frustration, but also a little bit of shame at the way I was acting. And so we then have to say, okay, where was I experiencing that feeling in my waking life? Because while, in my theory, while that downloading is happening and that sorting is happening, the things that our brain doesn't know where to sort, we're more likely to have a dream about. Now, most of the time, they will be kind of nonsense. But if we are having repeating themes to our dreams, it's saying there's probably a thorny problem there that our conscious mind doesn't really know how to solve. And our unconscious mind is now trying to take a crack at it. So I like to think, I don't know if you've ever seen any improv shows like Second City, or there used to be a television show called Whose Line Is It Anyway? And one of the improv games they would play on Whose Line Is It Anyway involved a bunch of props and they would have a kind of a box of props and then they would go to one team and then the other flashing back and forth. They just had to, you know, make a quick joke and change it. So I like to think that the actors, the improv actors in our dreams are our emotions. And the details of our dreams are more or less like the props that they find in the box. They're anything that are floating around our mind. So a dream about your fourth grade teacher is not necessarily have anything to do with your fourth grade teacher. It's just somehow I was thinking about that or I was having a conversation about, you know, burritos or fourth grade or whatever. And that's why that's popping up in my dream. So if I'm having a dream that I'm Godzilla and I'm crushing Tokyo, that means something totally different if I'm enjoying it and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I'm so powerful. Take that. Then if I'm Godzilla and I'm crushing Tokyo and I'm like, oh, these planes are shooting at me and I don't want to step on that house. And, you know, I'm feeling really bad about it. So again, details less important, feelings more important. So we're saying, what can I extrapolate? What can I take out from that? 
Now, again, if this was my first therapy session where I explored a dream with my therapist, they might say, well, let's dig a little bit more into, let's take you step-by-step step through the dream and where were big spikes of any emotion where you remember something. And again, where else might you be feeling that? Or what else do you associate garages with? What else are you associating your wife with? Because as much as that dream is theoretically about my wife and the garage, it's really probably more, again, about it wouldn't even necessarily have to be my wife. It could be someone who I felt had surprised or disappointed me in a way. So that can be a dream about work. It can be a lot of our dreams are, again, if we're thinking that these dreams are about unresolved issues and conflicts, they are often about the place that we're spending most of our time. So for most of my the students that I work with, a lot of their dreams, the ultimate meaning tends to be about school. Now, I can have this doing dream analysis is a collaborative effort. I can have the most logical read on someone's dream, but if I'm talking to them, I'm watching their body language and I'm thinking, you know, is this seeming like it's resonating? And they're like, well, maybe that first part you said about this, but I don't know, that second part seemed like it was kind of off. So if it feels off, it probably is. It's So as the person who's doing the interpretation, it's, you know, we want to make sure we're not just trying to put this into a lens of what we've already seen or we've experienced with other people that this person having a baby with a pig face might mean something totally different than another person having a baby with a pig face did. So we can just offer, hey, this is what I've kind of seen before. Does this feel right to you? And then respond to them. I was talking earlier today to a client who is big into doing tarot card readings. And she said it's a similar process because I said I knew I was going to be recording on this today. And I said, are there any tips or advice that you would have for people about how to whether or not they believe in tarot. And I said, for my my interpretation, I don't know <laughs> really that I believe the cards have any magical properties to predict the future. I do think though, it's this collaborative process where two people are looking at a bunch of symbols and the tarot card reader is throwing out a potential interpretation of how of these different symbols and how they fit together. And then they're often very attuned to the other person's energy, body language feelings across from them. And they're noting, does this feel like it's resonating? So again, if a, my, the card that you know the my client had you know for herself is a tower, which was is kind of falling into decay, and she and I have been talking about a romantic relationship of hers that seems to be entering into a new phase, maybe moving from a romantic relationship into a friendship, and so could the tower be representing that? Well, yeah, let's take that through the lens of what she's feeling right now. So there's going to be some truth to this, whether or not there's any mystical properties to the tarot. Um, we can use it. A lot of people scoff at anything related to like astrology. And personally, I don't really believe that Mars being in the orbit of Venus or anything else like that has any major impact on my decisions or my you know, energy or personality. But I do think we can just use, whether it's astrology or anything else as a framework to kind of help our decisions to seem like they're making sense. There is no objective reality. What do I mean by that? I mean, if I, you know, weigh some, you know, a weight on a scale, and if it's a 15 pound weight, it's going to be 15 pounds. Well, I suppose, unless I take it over to another scale and then it's 14.8 or whatever, and it's off a little bit, but it's less a matter of the exact measure of something and more a measure of is 15 pounds heavier or light? How do I feel about that? So there is no objective reality because everything goes through the lens of how do we feel about it. My brother and my brother-in-law, oddly, both got the same kind of throat cancer in the last year. 
but I'm sure the way they both felt about it was very different. Why? I mean, they both have a similar conversation from their doctor. Well, again, what are we bringing to that conversation with us? So, again, we've talked before on the podcast about how whether or not the constellations are real. So are the constellations up in the sky? Is Sagittarius, I mean, are these the Ursa Minor, Ursa Major, all these things, are they real? Well, people think about them. They can communicate about them. They have a shared understanding of what the words mean and what these shapes are. So are they real in that way? Yeah. Are there actual lines connecting these dots in the sky? No. But can a sailor use them to help navigate? Yes. And so as we are sailing on this ship through life and figuring out, we can use any guideposts that are useful to us. And astrology is no more ridiculous to me than, you know, thinking about the words of a person who theoretically lived 2,000 years ago and, you know, died and came back to life. I mean, do both things sound ridiculous on their face? Of course they do. So wherever we choose to put our belief, as long, the key is as long as it's helping you make decisions and make meaning out of your life. And that's the idea. We have to inject meaning into this world. We have to layer over things that help us to sift through all the stimuli. So when we're thinking about a dream, particularly a dream that we're having on a recurring basis, if it's ever unclear as to what the dream is trying to tell you, I do not believe personally that the dreams are predicting the future. Although again, I've had my share of clients who said, I dreamed this thing and that it would always happen. Or my cousin Mabel, she would dream something that would happen. I'm not going to deny that experience, but in my interpretation of dreams, they're telling us about things that we're experiencing right now and some decisions that we might need to make. Most often, <laughs> what I'm finding when I'm doing dream analysis is it's a dream about how much stress you're under and you might need to take off some of that stress. You might need to improve the communication in your relationships. <laughs> so is that terribly useful? Don't we all already know that? Yeah, but sometimes having that dream about it reinforces it for us of like, oh yeah, I really probably better do this because my mind is not leaving me alone about it. Back to this idea of uh, art therapy or one of the things that's really important when we're having difficulty getting an understanding of what's causing problems for people is the concept of projective testing. So everyone's heard of the Rorschach kind of inkblot tests, where a psychologist will show a person a series of different images, and they will ask for their interpretations of those images. You can say, how can that tell anyone anything? And the reality is, looking at one inkblot, one Rorschach shape or image, or some, they do it with different photographs. There's a, there's a number of different ways of doing projective, projective testing. Looking at just one is kind of just, a, you know, gives one data point, but it's not terribly useful. But for a trained person who has done this hundreds and thousands of times, seeing most people's interpretation tend to fall into a certain range. And we find that people who have a similar viewpoint on the world are more likely to have a, a different description of it. And my favorite sort of parlor trick, but um, projective testing thing is having people draw pictures. And so the standard three that will be used are the man. Uh, so you draw, we'll draw a house, we'll say a tree. So one. So I'll, I'll have a person in my office and I'll say, okay, I want you to take just, just a minute. And I want you to draw a house. So they draw the house and I say, okay, about done. And they'll say, yeah. And then, okay, now, you know, on this bottom half of the paper, flip it over, and we're going to draw a tree. Give them about a minute, you know, not not no more than two minutes for sure. And then either give them a new paper, flip it over, draw a third segment, and then say, okay, now I want you to draw a man in the rain. And the question is, what are we getting 
from this. So these three images. And again, I am not trained in doing projectives and interpreting these things, but I have noticed just doing it a bit for fun in my practice that we can learn a lot. So the, the house and the tree are both images of ourselves and our identity. So when we're seeing a house that's, you know, symmetrical, well put together, doesn't have <laughs> leaking holes in it, the, the more details we're seeing often, the, the feeling is we have a more developed sense of self. Now, some people might say, yeah, but I just, I'm a terrible artist. I just draw stick figures and that's fine. But we will find like with the tree, well, did you draw a lot of like leaves at the top of the tree, just like, or a big bushy crown for the tree? And often that's, some people will interpret that as kind of being about the level of confidence in your intelligence and how smart you are. Or did you draw some roots for the tree? So even if you're kind of drawing a stick figure tree, it might have some roots in it. But my favorite is the man in the rain. And the podcast art that I use for this is one of my clients drawing of a man in the rain. So the only prompt was draw a man in the rain. And some people's man in the rain will be smiling. Other people will give their man in the rain an umbrella. And one of the things we're looking for is how much rain is there around the person because the rain theoretically represents your problems. And then the looking at the body language, everything else about that man is saying, how are we feeling about our problems? And you'd be shocked with just that prompt of draw a man in the rain. How many people will give their man in the rain an umbrella, boots, <laughs> even stick figure boots or a raincoat? Um, and and how the so the podcast art for this my my former client who she was they were in a really dark place in their world when they drew that. And so the artwork, if you get a chance to look at it, is a person who's just beaten down by life. Like they are on their knees and in the rain. And so I think it, it can show us so much, so much more than a person might have been consciously intending to say. So when we're talking about whether it's artwork, dream, tarot, if you are a clinician, you want to really be listening, not just to a person's words, but to their body language and their level of energy and enthusiasm when they are describing some of it. And remember, the next step is it's a collaborative process. Listening to the person that you're talking to. And if you have any kind of interpretation that they're pushing back against, it's their dream or their drawing or whatnot. They're almost certainly right. Although the dream or the drawing or whatnot may be revealing things that they don't want to be true or don't want to think about. But so just feeling what resonates and being open to the fact that we can learn a lot from our subconscious that our words aren't ready to share. So if you have any questions or thoughts about dream analysis about tarot i don't again i'm definitely not a tarot expert but i know some people ask or if you have some tips about how to get your furry friend to use stairs up to the bed please email me at daniel.makler at live.com and until we speak again do whatever it takes to get you through this world just remember you are not allowed to die and now for something completely different Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. 
Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.